Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Give me your stuff. We're going to make a trade. What's the trade? You give me all your junk, all your sin, all the stuff, and I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you righteousness, my righteousness. So when the Father looks down on you, all he sees is me. Give me your junk, and I'll give you my righteousness. And you're like, really? That's the most, that's the most epic trade of the entire world history. That's imputation. That's Jesus being willing to take our sins upon himself to pay our debt because we can never pay it. In today's message, Pastor James reviews the Apostle Paul's letter to Philemon. In it, he explains the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for humanity and what it means for him and his fellow prisoners. No matter how hard they work, worship, study, repent, or even pray, there's nothing they could do to earn redemption from their sin. Instead, redemption was given to them by Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice. And the same goes for us. The only way that we can be redeemed is through Jesus. So how do we do that? Here's Pastor James in the book of Philemon chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. What Paul is doing here with his friend Philemon, he's saying, listen, you know what's right to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to hear the Lord on this thing. I'm asking you to hear the Lord on this thing and for you to take action on what you know is right to do. But I'm going to put the ball in your court. You do what's right to do. I, I, I love that because that's, that's true mentorship. That's a uh, that's, that's placing responsibility on the other individual. It's not holding their hand through something. It's just saying, listen, you got a relationship with the Lord. You know what's right. So why don't you just listen to him and do what he tells you to do? Can I, st- can I stand up here and say, hey, this is what's right. Do it. Sure. But it means more. And Paul, Paul got this. He, he's letting him know. He's like, listen, it, it just means more. If you, if you understand, if you hear the Lord on this one, you just do what's right. Just do what's right. I know he wronged you. We'll deal with that in a second. But you know, you know what the right thing to do is. He's building him up. He's also letting him know, um, he goes on verse 9, it says, so take this as a request from your friend Paul, an old man. I like that, New Living Translation. <laughs> this is Paul getting close to the end of his time. He says, an old man, now in prison for the sake of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, my plea is that you show kindness to Onesimus. I think of him as my own son because he became a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison. Onesimus has, hasn't been much, uh, of much use to you in the past or hasn't been profitable to you in the past, which is what his name means. It's a wordplay thing. He's been useless to you, but now he is very useful to not just to me, but to both of us. So Paul's letting him know, he's like, listen, this thing you have with Onesimus, I need you guys to settle this. See, when Onesimus showed up to Paul, he wasn't a believer. He wasn't a believer, but he received the gospel message. He got saved. And so now you're dealing with an issue of two brothers in the Lord. What do you do with a person who's not a believer? Well, you should probably forgive them. Well, that doesn't seem right. Well, how about you talk to Jesus about that? Remember when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them? for they know not what they do. 
to the same the people that jammed those nails into his wrist and into his feet. Remember Stephen? We just went through the story in Acts. As those Jew, the, the Jewish religious leaders are hurling these massive stones at him, they're killing him, and he would have the audacity to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The most freeing thing you can do is to forgive. It's the, it's the most freeing thing any of us can do. Now, I understand throughout lives, I mean, you're probably going to experience all kinds of hurts, and they're unjust and all that stuff. And we're not saying to become anybody's doormat or to forgive and forget. That's actually, no, we're not talking about any of that stuff. There would be wisdom in forgiving, but then also keeping up boundaries. Like, I'm going to forgive you, but, uh, you know, as far as relationship goes, this is about as close as it gets. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to just forgive somebody who's wronged you terribly and then you're supposed to like embrace them as your best friend and be all lovey-dovey to them and all that stuff. That's not what it's talking about. You got to be wise. Wise as serpents, gentle as doves. And you got to figure that thing out through the, through the Holy Spirit working in you to say, to know how to forgive people so that you are not imprisoned by your own bitterness or resentment. Here's the danger for Philemon. Burnout. Burnout. We hear this a lot in the church world. Uh, we think wrongly that burnout is a result of doing too much. That's not always true. More cases have been found that burnout, uh, more than 80 some odd percent of the time, is due to bitterness and resentment than actually doing too much. Little wrong, little maybe a miscommunication, plants a seed of bitterness. Over time, the joy of ministry dwindles and goes away. And then you feel like, I feel, just feel burnt out. I need to take a break. I need to take a step away. It's good. Take a step away. Take a break. That's fine. Um, but you ultimately need to deal with the bitterness. You need to deal with the wrong. How do you deal with the wrong? Forgive them. They don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But it's within what's granted to us from the greatest person in the world. His name is Jesus. Bitterness will take you out, period. It'll take you out. That is a self-imprisonment that we've used this illustration before. That would be you after Jesus has walked through the prison and busted off all the locks of the doors and opened up the doors and said, hey, whoever wants to come out can come out. You want rest? You thirsty? Whatever you want, come and follow me. You go out there. And then somebody says something that you don't like or they steal your seat or your parking spot or whatever it is. The equivalent to that is when that bitterness takes root into your heart, it's the same as you turning around and hopping back into that jail cell and closing the door yourself. There's no lock on the door because it's been broken off by Jesus, but you have imprisoned yourself by holding on to that bitterness. Now, there's a whole lot that's here. I understand that, I mean, there's healing that needs to take place with, we talked about this last week, um, counselors and all that. Hey, do that. Do that. Do that. Get healed. Help. Get help. Do all that stuff. But ultimately, it does come down to, are you the one who's holding the prison door shut? If that's the case, well, you need to forgive. You got to forgive. Letting all the stuff go. Let it all go. Best way I was taught in how to deal with some of that stuff is to write a letter. Just write it out. Write it out. Um, I dealt with that. You guys know some of my story in dealing with my dad, who was a person that I just despised for most of my life. Um, but it took me writing a letter of what? Of forgiveness that really broke free in my life. Like the burden was taken off of me. It was taken off of me. 
there's a story of a missionary. Her and her family lived in China, and uh, they were in a community of other missionaries. And this other, uh, some other workers within that community had had wronged her and her family tremendously, uh, tremendously. They, she didn't go into any details of what had happened, but uh, there was a tremendous wrong that had happened there, and it and it led her towards it planted the seed of bitterness within her heart. And for, for years, for years, uh, it, had, it had affected her as she's living there in China and trying to serve the people there. She had noticed that the fire was going out within her life. There was no more passion. There was no more spark. There was nothing. And she kept going to the Lord. And, and one day, she, she, just, she just broke down and she said, OK, Lord, what is going on? And the Lord whispered to her and he said, write him a letter. And she said, no. I will not. And she moved on. Years later, her husband passes away. He wasn't the bad guy in the story. Um, but this, this other uh, missionary serving within the same area had lost his wife. And she was talking to him about it. And she, this story had come up, and, and, uh, and she had mentioned that the Lord had pressed on her to write a letter. And the, mission, the young missionary told her, he's like, what are you doing? He said, write the letter. Write the letter. And she fought with that. Eventually, she wrote the letter, and she said that was the thing that had I mean, all her, and she's still serving. She's still doing all this stuff, and, and just nothing. It was just dry. It was just nothing was happening. She said, I wrote that letter, and it was just like a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life, and he'd just been waiting on me to write the letter. He'd just been waiting on me to let go. He'd just been waiting on me to let go. Paul is encouraging Philemon. He's saying, listen, do not hold on to this. Don't hold on to this. You got to let it go. You need to let it go. You want to walk into a new year free. You want to walk into a new year free of burdens, free of all of that stuff. If somebody has wronged you, and this has been something that's ongoing within your lives, I can tell you experientially, it's just better to place that in the Lord's hands. You're not going to do anything to this person who has wronged you by being bitter. You're killing yourself. You're killing yourself. The best way to get back at them, in one sense, if I could say it this way, is to forgive them. So you know what? I don't hold anything against you. I don't hold anything against you. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. And let them do whatever they want with it. Let the Lord run with that however he wants to. You have to let go of those prison bars because you don't belong in a cell. That's where the enemy wants you. You don't belong in a cell. You belong to be, you're, you belong outside, free, effective for the Lord, being used by him. Philemon's got a house church. I can guarantee you this thing has probably been weighing on his heart and on his conscience. This has been a burden for him and that, that little church that meets in his house. I can promise you that. And Paul comes along at the right time and says, dude, I need you to do me this favor. He's become a believer now. He's a brother. Let's make this right. Let's make it right. So Paul goes on to say, he say he's letting him know. He's like, listen, I know he was a knucklehead before. He was, man, he was useless before, totally useless Completely opposite of his namesake. Absolutely useless. And Paul's not going to, he's not sugarcoating it at all. He's letting him know. He's like, I get it, man. But now he's useful. Why? Because what, what has happened that, that would cause Paul to want to write this letter? Transformation has happened in Onesimus' life. Transformation has happened because of the gospel. So Paul preaches the gospel. This guy hears the gospel. He gets saved. His life is transformed. And Paul lets him know, verse 12, I'm going to send him back to you. But here's the, here's the caveat. Here's the thing. And with him comes my own heart. That's like, what are you going to say? What are you, you going to say? Paul's like, oh, yeah, by the way, as Philemon is probably hand-delivered this letter 
from Onesimus himself. And Paul's reading that letter, and he's like, oh, man, why do you have to say that? Why do you have to say that? Like, forgive him. I'm sending him back to you. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, this is my son. He's very near and dear to me. Verse 13, he says, I really wanted to keep him here with me while I was in these chains for preaching the good news. I love how Paul continues to remind Philemon of that. He's like, oh, you remember, I'm locked up in jail for preaching the gospel, right? Oh, don't forget, I'm here because of preaching the gospel for Jesus. Oh, by the way, Philemon, you who are on the outside running a house church, um, I'm locked up in prison for preaching the gospel, okay? Your slave ran away for you. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a bad story. But I'm in jail, okay? I'm in jail. Let's look at perspective, Okay, all right, so here's your, here's your servant back. I'm preaching the gospel, the good news. It says, and he would have helped me on your behalf, verse 14, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. And I didn't, want, I didn't want you to help because you were forced to do it, but because you wanted to do it. Perhaps you could think of it this way. Onesimus ran away for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer just a slave. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a slave and as a brother in the Lord. And Paul's not even telling, he's not telling Philemon, he's like, listen, you need to set him free. It's not right that he's your slave. Paul's not, he's, Paul's not doing any anti-slavery campaigns or anything like that. Paul understands, you want slavery to end? Preach the gospel. You want slavery, you want lives to be changed and transformed? preach the gospel. You want to make a difference in the world? There's a lot of injustice in the world. And change isn't going to happen all that much by holding up signs demanding for change to happen. Change will happen as a result of the believers of the, of the gospel proclaiming the gospel. You want slavery to end? Hey, guess what? Slavery is bigger now than it was back in Rome. I don't know if you're, if you're up to speed on this, but we do have human trafficking, which is slavery, which is a sickness in our society. And America is the biggest, the biggest offense in the whole scenario. There's more people trafficked in and through our country. That's, that's ridiculous. You want it to end? As I do, I'm very passionate about human trafficking. I want people to be set free. Kids that are taken from their homes or sold by mom and dad into slavery and all that stuff, the sex trade and everything, that breaks my heart and it makes me mad. Do I want it to end? What's the best way? Point people to Jesus. That's it. And you can, and, and we will as a church, we will partner with organizations who are doing good work, not only here in America, but overseas as well. We will do all we can to help those individuals who are willing to go there and preach the gospel. Because the only hope for somebody coming out of the sex trade industry is Jesus. The only hope for the ones who are luring them into it is Jesus. And Paul understands. Paul lets him know. He's like, Philemon, you could do with him whatever you want. Maybe he wanted to be a servant in Philemon's house. We don't know. But Paul's saying, listen, he's coming back to a different person, and he's going to be way more beneficial to you now than he ever was before. I think Paul maybe could be hinting towards Philemon saying, you know what? Just set the guy free. Set him free. That's probably what happens. We don't know that, though. But he says he's going to be worth more much more profitable to you now, both as a slave and as a brother in the Lord. Verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, this koinonia thing, give him the same welcome you would give me as if I were coming. If he has harmed you in any way or stolen anything from you, that's where we get the idea that he had wronged him, he had more than likely stolen from his boss, charge it to me. 
or charge it for me. Or Paul saying, put it on my account. How much money did he steal? Doesn't matter. Philemon, if he's wronged you, if he's stolen any money from you, put it on my account. Put it on my account. But what if it's thousands of dollars we're talking about here? Paul's like, just charge it to me. This is the doctrine of imputation, right? Not amputation, as Google was trying to help me out with with illustrations. I'm like, not amputation. I don't, not chopping off body parts. No, imputation, all right? It's that thing of, it's, it's what Jesus did for us. The scripture readings we read this morning. All your sins were put onto Jesus. They were imputed upon him. And the best deal about it is you got something in return, his righteousness. All your junk, it's the, the, the most epic trade in all of history. I, I was looking up, you know, the biggest one-sided trades in all of history, and they're all sports-related, okay? They are all sports-related, but so nobody was willing to give me anything I really could, would help out with in communicating this other than the fact that I have a toddler living in my house and she's making bad deals every day for us. She always wants good stuff. She'll, she, she knows what this is. I don't know how that works in a toddler. Uh, she just barely turned one. She, she knows what this thing is and she wants this and she's willing to give you something for this. Most of the time, it's a chewed up like Cheeto thing, whatever they are, a little crunchy thing. It's like, I don't want that. No, I don't even want that for a whole cheese. Like, I don't, want, I don't want your half-eaten food. I don't want your junk. That's opposite of Jesus. Jesus shows up and he's like, give me all your junk. Give me all your baggage. Give me your stuff. We're going to make a trade. What's the trade? You give me all your junk, all your sin, all the stuff, and I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you righteousness. My righteousness. So when the Father looks down on you, all he sees is me. Give me your junk, and I'll give you my righteousness. And you're like, really? That's the most, that's the most epic trade of the entire world history. That's imputation. That's Jesus being willing to take our sins upon himself to pay our debt because we can never pay it. And in return, giving us his righteousness, something we can never earn, we can never buy, we can never even, you can never, ever, ever attain that. That's a beautiful, this is the doctrine of imputation. It's a beautiful thing. That's why Philemon, it, it matters as a book. Most people will look at this book and they're like, it's just a short little book. It's only like, well, it's only one chapter. It's 20 some odd verses long and there's not much in there. No, there's a huge message in here and it's called redemption. He goes on to tell them, put it on me, charge it to my account, whatever. Verse 19, I, Paul, write this in my own handwriting. I will repay it. And I won't mention to you that you owe me your very soul. I mean, you know, you want to, you want to keep mad, you want to you know, keep account here. I mean, I led you to the Lord. He's like, but I'll pay it back. And he's serious about that. He says, I will pay it back. Verse 20, he says, yes, dear brother, please, please do this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. Please keep a guest room ready for me for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers to let me return to you soon. He goes on to say, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greeting. So do Mark. Remember Mark? Mark was the one who belled on him early on in the, the missionary journeys. Uh, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. That's Dr. Luke there. My co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Beautiful letter. Great little letter. I mean, talk about it. it starts off good and all that good stuff. And then he hits this, the crescendos there at the end where he's like, listen, if he's wronged you, I'll pay it. I, I, we need to understand this. I need to encourage you with this. Um, 
this is why you let the Lord fight your battles. If somebody has wronged you, if somebody has wronged you or done something, especially in the church, bad things don't happen in the church, people don't fight in the church, well, yeah, they do too much, too much. It's sad. It's kind of pathetic, honestly. Somebody's wronged you, the best thing you can do, well, you can be like Philemon and just forgive them. Go to the Lord Jesus with it and say, you know what, Lord? Um, this person hurt me, but I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to trust you with them. Because there's not a thing you can say to the person. There's nothing you can say to them. There's nothing you can do to them. There's no way you can get back at them. There's no way you can right the wrong yourself. You're not going to do it. You're going to mess it up even more, okay? The best thing you can do is say, you know what, Lord? This person hurt me. This story's yours. This one's yours. I don't want to be locked up because of some wrong or something said to me or whatever it is, Lord. I don't want to be imprisoned. Why? Because the gospel must go out. And we are not doing the Lord any favors, especially within the church, if we are all behind prison doors and we are holding these things closed that he had justly broke free. The church is meant to be on mission for him. So that's what we need to do. If there's any wrong, anybody wrong, and I'm not just saying, hey, listen, just forgive and forget and move on. Kind of we need to do that, yes. But bigger than that, we need to just say, you know what, Lord, I don't know what to do with this thing. Can you just take it from me? Can you just take it from me? Um, just an encouragement. We went through, the, December's been just all about the Lord and looking at everything that he has done for us. And we know from the book of Hebrews, which is the next book over from Philemon, and we've already talked about this, he is a great high priest. And everything that is communicated about him in Hebrews as our high priest, it says this, he actually cares about you and everything that's happening in your life. And he's just waiting for you to write the letter. That's it. He's just waiting for you to write the letter. He's waiting for you, if I could say it better, he's waiting for you to sit down with him and to write the letter. Say, all right, Lord, what do I need to say? What do I need to say? Give me words. Give me the words. You need healing. Don't go into a new year burdened with some pain of however many years ago or fresh wounds or all that stuff. I'm sure there will be plenty more battles to be fought. But may we go into each and every day that the Lord gives us free, free. You wake up in the morning and say, all right, Lord, am I holding on to anything? Is there anything inside of me that is just quenching the Holy Spirit? Is there anything inside of me that is keeping me from being fruitful for you? Lord, let's deal with that. Let's deal with that today. Let's deal with that today. That's my encouragement. That's like Philemon there. And I, we, don't, we don't even know what happens. This is the beauty of this letter. It's like, I mean, Philemon comes up a little bit later. And, uh, you know, it's, but we don't know. Common thought is, as Onesimus goes to Philemon's house, he knocks on the door, and there he is with this letter, sealed by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can, you can, you got an imagination, right? I don't know, but I do know this. Philemon's a good dude. He loved the Lord Jesus. He was a good dude. He was going to embrace Onesimus. He was going to embrace him. And I can, I can guarantee you this. You want to know how it ended? Well, Make sure your ticket to heaven is, is punched, is booked. And then when you get there, you can hang out with those two dudes and ask them, like, tell me the story. How'd that work? What was the end? Tell, I need to know the end, right? You got all eternity. Hopeless, hopeless, 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Philemon. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is that there's a fundamental theme of forgiveness for wrongdoing. Once you realize that this letter is a perfect depiction of Jesus and his forgiveness of your wrongdoing, you'll appreciate it all the more. This isn't just a letter that's written years ago. This is what it looks like to live out the gospel. Is there someone in your life who has wronged you and desperately needs your forgiveness? If so, maybe think about calling them today, sending them a text, or even better, meeting them in person. Making things right with them will put your heart and theirs in a place that gives peace that only God can provide. We're so glad that you tuned in to study God's Word with us today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen to it again online at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to be that type of community for you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary in Galveston. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure and let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer when you do. That's all we have time for today, but we encourage you to keep reading on your own until the next edition. There's more to learn from the book of Philemon, and Pastor James looks forward to sharing these things with you once again here on Bread for the Broken.